0: Let's turn to The View from Victoria with the Vancouver Sun's Vaughn Palmer. Good morning, Vaughn. And good
1: morning, Scott. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, Legislature wraps up the fall session today because the government has said that's what's going to happen. They imposed a schedule and now they've been using their majority to cut off further debate on all these major housing bills that we have before the house
0: yeah there is a bunch that are still before the house so there's like a shift in power from local government to provincial government
1: yeah i mean the previous uh, the B.C. dc liberal government sometimes didn't even have fall sessions of the legislature because they had so little to say but uh, the New Democrats are very, very active. The Premier has been promising legislation that will lead to more affordable housing and an increase in the housing supply, and we got the bills, uh, legislation this fall. But uh, it's a work in progress to be generous. It's a bit of a rush job to be critical. A lot of the legislation, there are outstanding questions about what it means, things they haven't explained Claims they've made, they can't back up. And so, yeah, the opposition parties have been trying to get to the bottom of all this. The government has just finally lost patience. There's a there's a power in the legislature uh, to cut off debate. Uh, it's called the guillotine. And Good name for yesterday, it. Yesterday afternoon, if you heard a whoosh around 3.30, Uh, That was when, as one member of the opposition put it, the B.C. legislature reached its Robespierre moment. Uh, Around three o'clock, the housing minister, Ravi Kallon, who is also the house leader for the uh, New Democrats, brought in a motion to cut off debate on the biggest and most important of the housing bills and to do it within 30 minutes. So... There was no time left to debate it. That's bill that they cut off debate on at 3.30 yesterday afternoon, that's the one, Scott, that is at the center of the change. The provincial government will take control of zoning for housing in 85 British Columbia cities and towns, so pretty much everywhere but rural B.C. And the way they'll do it is they're going to end single family zoning and all those municipalities, they're going to bring in new rules that say you can build, develop up to six unit multiplexes on some lots. Triplexes, fourplexes, six unit multiplexers on some lots. And I think most local councils are going, understandably, this is an enormous transfer of power. How is it going to work? And the government has withheld all kinds of key details about how it's going to work. They've just slammed blank check legislation through. Wait for the details later.
0: Yeah, it really feels like um, here's the answer. We're going to fix this problem for you and we'll just we'll just do this. We'll build six plexes on every lot in the province and we're just going to say... But of course, there's a ton of questions that come with that. And if they're not willing to answer them, I mean, like, what about the infrastructure that goes around all of these type of houses? I mean... I I lived in a strata complex and, you know, it was very clear that adding any more, it was like a sixplex and adding any more units there, like we were dealing with one of the things, one of the things was a person got an electric car and then another person got an electric car. And then next thing you know, we needed to dig up the entire road to put more electricity to this sixplex. What happens if every lot is a sixplex? There's a lot of questions.
1: Yeah, you've hit, I mean, the dilemma for mayors and council is they know very well that the public wants more housing and they want it easier to approve housing. So that's the world they're into. But they also say, look, most municipalities have zoning. Uh, A lot of that zoning is tailored to the situation in the municipality. A lot of it allows for the fact that we need, as you say, infrastructure to go along with it. And they keep asking Victoria House is going to work. And, you know, the answer they get is, well later this year, and there's only a month left in the year, (laughs) uh, the government is going to put out uh, the actual regulations for all this new zoning. And then municipalities have until the end of June to change all their zoning, some of which has been around for years, to accommodate the new provincial government approach. And I mean, I've talked to mayors and counselors who go, look, you can agree with the objective and still have profound doubt that the bureaucracy in the provincial government, which has never dealt with local zoning before, knows how to rewrite the zoning laws for 85 towns and cities and make it happen by the end of next June. Like it's just smacks of rush job and half-baked And all of the attempts now by the opposition parties and the Greens and BZ United, both have been pushing this, all their attempts to get some answers on this, they cut it off yesterday afternoon. The other bills, some of which are important as well, the cutoff will happen today. The legislature will adjourn because that's what the government says at the end of uh, the afternoon today. And then we'll just have to wait for the details because they
0: won't. Tell
1: us what they are.
0: And we're continuing our chat with Vaughn Palmer, and uh, we're having some more trouble on BC Ferries, Vaughn.
1: Yes, we are. Uh, And we should go back to the housing numbers, too. But, uh, yeah, BC Ferries, uh, coastal renaissance, one of the big vessels that runs between the island and the mainland, has been out of service since August for engine trouble. They told us, ah, it'll be back in service before Christmas. Yesterday, the ferry is not coming back. Uh, There's still problems with it. Uh, Probably won't be available till the new year. So that means we're going to have to navigate the holiday season without a key vessel on the run. Uh, As you know, uh, BC Ferries has said many times, they don't have a lot of backup vessels. They're going to build some. They still haven't awarded the contracts to do that. And we're some years away from taking delivery. So, you know, we've seen this year that pretty much everybody who travels on the ferries except on whim uh, makes a reservation that is going to be even more important than ever. And I guess some of us who live on Vancouver Island kind of always say, well, you know, the continent is cut off. It's not we're cut off. So (laughs) you try to keep your sense of humor about you, but, but seriously, um, it's been well over a year since the new Democrats fired the CEO of BC Ferries and installed their own team there, but uh, they haven't turned it around. I guess they are going to have to give them more time because the troubles continue, the service interruptions. They, they're putting other ships into service to try to pick up some of the slack, but I think it's going to be a very congested holiday season on BC Ferries.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we do have this new ferry service, hello, but... I mean, BC Ferries being the main, essentially, it's kind of the only option. Like, if you need to drive, I mean, there's options with Helijet and that type of thing as well. But, I mean, what are you going to not, are you going to not take BC Ferries? That's what I always say when I hear somebody, you know, kind of complain about it. It's like, well you have to, you have, we don't have another option. We gotta, we gotta get on it. Like I have family over there. And so when we take the kids and load the car up and stuff, even we, we will make a reservation and then pull up and the, that sailing is canceled. You know, like it's just (laughs) such a mess.
1: Yeah. I mean, the line over here on the Island uh, and on any other uh, coastal community served by ferries is it's the highway system. Yeah. And sure. The highway system does have problems too on occasion, but uh, still, no, it, it's the reliability of the ferry service has been greatly undermined this year. And I have to say uh, to anybody thinking of traveling the ferries, I see the Ferry Workers Union put out a statement yesterday saying uh, their talks with the ferry corporation are troubled. Uh, they left a meeting uh, this week because it was, uh, ferries management was getting abusive. Now that's the union side of the story, but uh, those talks were launched by the ferry corporation to reopen the contract because they wanted to add incentives to recruit staff to the ferries. So this constructive purpose of these talks is to make the ferries a more attractive place to work. Uh, The latest breakdown in those talks, they appear to be heading the wrong direction there too. So I mean, we'll wait and see what the ferry corporation says about it But the union statement, I have to say, having read it, it circulated to members yesterday, is not encouraging.
0: Yeah. Okay. Pack your patience if you have to use BC ferries. Uh, Let's talk back about um, housing and housing numbers and, and the legislation there.
1: So the government, by way of justification for all this housing legislation they've given us, has made two extraordinary claims. One, they say that the housing legislation, the main bill, will lead to the creation of 130,000 new multi unit homes over 10 years. That's a big number. And the second thing they've said is that it will lead as well to a reduction in housing prices by 7 to 14 percent. Now, when you get those kind of numbers from the government, the opposition, of course, says, you just pick this out of the air or have you got some basis for it? And the Mm -hmm. government said, oh, no, you know, housing minister, we've got an economic model that explains all this. Okay, can we see it? No, you can't. (laughs) They, They won't release the model until later. And what that means is the legislature is being forced by the government majority to approve all this legislation it can't debate the model because the government won't release it publicly. So we'll have to wait. Again, they say we'll get it before the end of the year. But I have heard from all over the housing sector and local councils, Scott, a 7 to 14% drop in housing prices in B.C. Right. Nobody believes that's going to happen. They really can't wait to see the model because... That just doesn't happen in British Columbia. Yes, prices slow. Yes, they may waver a little bit. But anybody who's been in and out of the market over the years knows that what tends to happen is prices rise steeply, then they level off for a bit. And then they start (laughs) rising steeply again, because there's so much demand for housing in British Columbia. And the supply, as the government itself admits, uh, Scott, the supply just isn't there.
0: Right, and I mean, you could we could run the math, a simple math equation, and just add up all the prices of the last sold homes, add one hundred and thirty thousand to that, and then redivide the equation, and it goes down by seven to fourteen percent. But yeah. that's we all know that's not the reality. That's not how no. this works. Um, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, though, you know, when they when the, this this idea was brought up of Six-unit dwellings, because one of the things you hear talked about so much in Vancouver is developers, and you know developers do this, and it makes it harder for you know one person to say I wanted to tear down a house and build a sixplex there and yeah. rent to my family and friends. But developers end up taking all of that, and I think like there maybe is some uh, feeling that those people are going to end up making a whole bunch more money. The same people who've already profited off the housing sector are just going to continue to profit off of this.
1: Scott, you've identified one of the real ironies of the debate around here, because when you criticize all of this legislation for all the holes in it and the rush job putting it out and ramrodding it onto local councils, the New Democrats say, ah, well, you're just playing into the hands of the developers. You know, you're just out there with the developers. You just want to, you know, and and you go, wait a minute, I'm not hearing huge complaints about this from the development community. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing is people like Andy Yan at Simon Fraser University saying, you are gonna end up leading to dem evictions. You're going to lead to low rise apartment buildings uh, being demolished to build 20 story towers around transit stations. Uh, What I'm hearing is local councils are worried that they're gonna rewrite their zoning legislation and once they do, there's no more public hearings. So their constituents are gonna discover that a sixplex is going up across the street when the construction crews arrive there because the new Democrats are bringing an end to public hearings on individual projects. Once the community housing plan is approved, anything that fits the plan goes ahead without public hearings. Now I can imagine developers smacking their lips at that prospect, but I don't think neighborhood advocates or people who don't have a money stake in the housing market. I even see how some homeowners are are going, well, okay, this is going to be great. There's my retirement plan. I'm going to sell my house,
0: have it knocked down and uh, go somewhere else. Well, exactly. And you know, you use the term demo eviction. That's like, that's the first thing I thought about when it was, you know, and we, that's already been a problem in Vancouver and they're just yeah. going to give people more opportunities to do the people who already have a stake. will make more and you know, maybe we'll see a slight drop for, for rentals like we talked about, but we know that's not the reality, but it will be an interesting thing to watch. The Vancouver sun's Vaughn Palmer. Great to speak with you. And, uh, Thanks for your take on this and, and some explanation and understanding it as well.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Scott. And we're going to be
0: busy with this story next year because it's election year. Fantastic. All right. We'll talk again soon, Vaughn. I appreciate it. Bye bye.